ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a slight technical error in the countdown screen for Riverside.fm, a.k.a. episode 100 and something of the Open Guard cast. My name is Jake Watson. I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell, my inimitable co-host. The uh, technical error I was referring to is Danny says, before every episode, uh, there's going to be a countdown. Uh, this time it was a count up from 10 to 14. It said 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I was like, wait a minute, when do I go? So I just waited for the numbers to leave the screen. Hopefully this was a, a good start to the episode. We're joined by a man who always starts his fights well, Victor Hugo. You see that intro? Yes, see, I, see I swung that around? Man. <laughs> but hey, good to see you, Victor. Uh, it's always, always good to talk to you, always good to hear from you. And uh, it's fun to have you on the show. So welcome, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Super happy to finally be here. I've been following your work for a long time, like you guys started, I think, and you guys been killing it. I see like like you guys now start to comedy fight too. I'm pretty happy about it because there's a lot of people that don't know jiu-jitsu talking a lot of shit there. So it's good to know that someone that actually knows jiu-jitsu is on the outside and and commenting my fights and everyone's fights. Yeah, man, we really appreciate that. Yeah, thank that you. really means a lot coming from you. So thank you. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one giving you guys positive feedback. Yeah, we we we, uh, we get our fair share of uh, people who don't know how to, you know, they they're like insulting us, uh, but uh, in like a funny way. So I don't know if they actually like the show or if they <laughs> <laughs> or if yeah. they just don't and they are just telling us flat out but no we really appreciate it man we want to do a good work for the community and we i mean your fights are easy to commentate because it's a lot of action so i always say to danny i'm like the, the matches that are a lot is going on we borderline don't have to commentate we can just be like oh my gosh like i remember when <laughs> mika galvan went against tyne and at the ug we just like yeah. screamed into the mic we were like this is yeah. not even commentary we're just making it exciting you know and um and then we have like intricate battles like what you had uh in arizona when you came down to arizona and that was yeah. really awesome to commentate because, I mean, I know your game because you've knee-barred me. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it was, it was awesome. Like, I didn't really know Victor back then, but we knew each other a little bit. He's from Fortaleza as well as my professor Andre is. So that was a little talking point. And then uh, we fought at Brown Belt. And ever since then, I feel like I've just seen you at every tournament and became mm -hmm. friends. And, uh, and then we, we were also on the same show in Hawaii as well. So it was kind of we've always seen yeah. each other and been around each other a lot. But uh, to be able to, like, now commentate your matches is pretty good. It's a pretty cool experience for me. Yeah, yeah. As you said, man, I, I've known you since Purple Belt, you know. And for me, you're, you're one of the guys that has been more out there and put yourself out there since Purple Belt. I feel like sometimes you don't get recognized for how tough you are, actually, because I still remember for me a lot of guys, they keep coming and, like, putting a lot of hype on these guys. But Jake, I always see him, I always saw him absolutely on the other side of the bracket, just, like, Beating people, beating people, boom. I don't think we actually got to fight a final, but he would always be like in the podium with me, the purple belt. And that's a huge, like, that's a huge thing for American because it would be me, Jonathan, Kyra, and Jake. It would <laughs> yeah. be me, Ronaldo, someone else, and Jake. He would <laughs> yeah. be always like the only American in the podium, and that would be, that was pretty cool. And our black belt. Yeah, and now, and now I'm a media guy. Now I'm a commentator. <laughs> Disgraced competitor I mean, turned disgraced commentator that's my that's my joke <laughs> but no, no man, man you're right uh, i've 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 really i've loved comp uh, competition you know like we uh victor we started this podcast we were so excited about it we danny and i have known each other since before i met you like I, danny's known me since i was i think like a kid competing almost and uh i remember oh. it was pan ams the one you're talking about was pan ams it was it was 
uh, you, Kynan, Ronaldo, and me. And I was like this awkward kid, like, first time here, first time on the pants <laughs> podium. Like, hello. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember, I actually didn't know you back then, but I saw your match with Kynan. Dude, you've had some wars with Kynan mm-hmm. Duarte. And at Black yeah. Belt, not, not a whole bunch of, I don't think you fought him yet at Black Belt, have you? I fought once. We fought at third post grappling, we draw, and that was mm-hmm. it so far. And then yeah, ended he, up giving to him. He has one good position in the last, like, two minutes. But it is what it is. We had a lot of fights. He won most of them, but none of them was, like, easy. He probably mm-hmm. submit me once in, as brown belt. But I remember the first fight we fought, like, first time we fought, whenever we finished the fight, I told him, it was, that, that was back and forth about 10, I told him, man, uh, it was good, but we're gonna do a lot, and hope, and I, and I know we're gonna do like absolute like final at black belt still. And my, my, I I I talk, I talked to myself and said, and I'm gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, being being good. So how's your relationship with Kynan then? Like, I mean, you you've grappled him so much. Are you guys friendly to one another? Yeah, we talk. You know, like of course we're not really friends because I think he's my biggest rival. Like I'll say. He's the guy that I most fought and the guy who most beat me to to this to, to today. But still, we have a really respectful, uh, you know, uh, re- respectful towards towards each other. Sometimes when we're in other countries, we even get closer. Sometimes talk about stuff. But you know, we don't get to be we don't get to be good friends because we still fight each other. You know, we're gonna fight each other for a lot of years ahead. But just respect for him. He's really good on, on what he does, and we came up together. So it's just good to see my generation leading up. You know, he. I believe he he has like put himself out there as one of the biggest names in jiu-jitsu already. So it's just cool to see a guy that I follow the time. And people saw like some people saw like you'd see he beat me and be like, man, he's not. He doesn't look that good. I say like, man, the guy's good. I got to give it to him. And nowadays, he's just beating everyone. I was like, told you guys. Definitely. So I want to take a step yeah. back, if you guys don't mind, and talk about the first time you got into competition. So do you remember what your first couple competitions were like when, I don't know if you were white belt or blue belt, but kind of take a step back and describe those experiences. No, yeah. I actually put a lot of work to that, you know, because uh, I trained 10 months to my first competition. My coach would always like tell me, oh, there's a competition in three weeks. I'm going to sign you up. You better train a lot. And I'll train a lot. And he would sign me up. <laughs> and we, we, we stayed on that for like 10 months. Till the day came. And that was actually my first competition ever in any sport. I'd always try to, to like do sports, but I never actually got to actually go to a competition, like compete anything. So I was really like excited, you know, like really nervous. And I ended up taking, taking silver. And I, I competed, I think, 10 tournaments. Since, yeah, I started, I did like 10 tournaments that year. And all was, and, and everything was silver. I just got silver, silver, silver after silver. And my teammates started to joke at me, oh, I don't think you're ever going to win a tournament. <laughs> Something like that. But in the, the end of the year, I draw the, the finals and they ended up giving to me. So it was actually a cool story. I had like 11 silvers to got my first gold. It was a good feeling. That's crazy. Yeah, 11 yeah. silvers before gold. That's yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing too is my first, my first, my very first tournament, I was winning the finals. 
And I was fight I was fighting this huge kid because you know I'm not I'm not really small, so I've been ultra heavy since the day I was born. So I was fighting this kid, he's huge. And I don't know, man. He started to stack me and I heard this voice like, if you're tired, if you don't feel well, just just ask for a pause. I I, I heard I heard this voice. I thought it was my coach. And I look at the referee and I see, and I did this. And then the referee paused the match. I catch somewhere and I was like, I'm ready to go. And they said, no, you have to stop. You lost. And that's, <laughs> how I, that's how I lost my very first match. That's so <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Oh, man. Yeah. How old were you? That was my first match. I was 13. 13? It was probably, probably the other guy's coach. He was like, Victor, man, I don't know. pause. I don't know. Yeah, it was a voice. I heard this voice and I, I, I asked for a pause. And I'm, oh, man, everybody booed me for like, Month. <laughs> oh my god. That is yeah. a good first tournament story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you Danny, remember what was your the, first uh, tournament like again? Did you already tell did you already tell that story on uh yeah, I've told that story. Danny, the first story? So that's what that was the second match. The first match I, I fought a kid, he was a little lighter, but he was still my division and it's super good. I think I won like thirty zero or something. And the second match I had this huge kid, I think he was probably two thirty. 100, uh, yeah, he was above 200 pounds. He was huge, big, fat, and <laughs> I was winning, but I had to stop. There was two matches. That's when I up my first tournament. Yeah, Later on, I, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we talked about uh, Jake my first tournament a while ago, so I won't retell that story and bore everyone. But Victor, do you no, remember yeah, the first okay. time you you got gold in a tournament? Because you said it was like your 12th tournament. Can you do you, uh, remember that yeah. story? Yeah, I was doing pretty good already because I really liked the full guard. So on my division, I, I used to fight this big kid. All they wanted was top. Just stay on top. So just full guard, triangle, or, or, or do something like that. I had a, a good sweep on the close guard. Actually, the sweep I still use today, I had a good flower. I really good doing flower. I didn't have the exact details that I do today. Today, I, I started to do it differently because of Shaji. He, he taught me some cool details. But I really had a good flower sweep. And on my finals, I fought this kid. He was really strong because I used to fight in the division. I was, we were 14, 15 years old. And I'm pretty sure this kid, he was about to turn 16 already. I don't know how he ended up on my bracket. So he was really strong. But we ended up like drawing in a draw. I was more busy on the bottom, so they ended up giving it to me. I was pretty happy, you know, because I, I just kept going to tournaments, kept going. And then the finals always would happen like I would, I would fight some kids. And he'll do something and beat me. But yeah, uh ended up being being pretty happy. Awesome. Another yeah, fact you... is like yeah. I was gonna say you didn't people. need to take a break again. After after that first tournament you didn't you're like worked on your cardio and you're like, Okay, phew, I don't need a <laughs> I don't I don't no, need another no. break. It, it was it was a, it was a good thing to learn. No break. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. good good learning lesson. After all the bully. <laughs> <laughs> So one thing you talked about was how you were playing guard in that tournament, and I think that's one of the reasons people love watching you compete and they're such big fans of you is because you're big, like you said, you're in the heaviest division, but you have like a really awesome guard, really dynamic, you use a lot of movement. So is that something you've been developing since you started Jiu-Jitsu? I think I know the answer, but can you talk about playing guard early on as a bigger guy? Yeah, I think the main thing is like I was really tall, so I was really clumsy. I still to this day a little bit, <laughs> but whenever I start to play top, I actually like warming up. You know, whenever the professor, like the coach tells you to run, 
and then you go like you you jump three times three times three times out. So whenever I did that once, I tripped and fall. So I, <laughs> I had really bad coordination. So to pass guard, you gotta have a good coordination. So that's why I think I started to do guard a lot because I just had to be on my back. And my dad used to joke a lot. He said like, "Oh man, you're so lazy. That's why I like you because you just get to lay down and do whatever you want." <laughs> so. That's how I started to guard. I really felt better on my back because I didn't have good coordination. I feel like the guys, like anyone, sweep me really well, like really, really easy. So whenever I started to play guard, I have those long legs. So I felt like whenever I had someone a hold of my close guard, I would give him a hard, then a hard time to open. You know, sometimes I would just like go over and make it like a little confused guard and make them confused to pass my guard. So I start to feel really comfortable on my back, and I feel like. Because I really liked jiu-jitsu in the beginning, I start we start to go a lot, so I start to get a little a little tough, and I would go maybe three times a day, and whenever I had a break for school, like summer break or something like that, I would have like four. I would go like four times. I would spend a lot of time in the in the in the school. Even my mom, she said, "Do you want to leave there?" She would <laughs> joke with me, and that really helped me to like get tough, you know, like. Lose that, lose that, lose that. That I feel. I feel like one thing that whenever you start to play guard and you have kids, the first thing you start to losing is that is, is that is that fear of having someone close to your face. I really yeah. start to get comfortable whenever the guys put a weight on me, put the 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 weight on my face. I start to feel comfortable. You no, know? I would like be upside down. They would put in a weight on me, and I would feel comfortable. So I start to to grow. You no, know, put some weight. And I and I decided to stay with the same game, you know. I was like, man, I just gonna keep playing guard because I would see the kids at a tournament on my division. They always wanted to do the same thing, take it down and stay on top. And I'm like, man, maybe I can bring something different. And that thing just like got more mature on me as the year passed, you know. As I got my blue belt, I was thinking the same way because I I used to watch the ultra habits compete at black belt, and I'm like, man, one day I'm gonna be a black belt, but I don't want to fight like that, just like boring fight bad judo so <laughs> I'm, I'm i might just go out there and pull guards and see what's up so that's what i've been doing since then you know same the same mentality i just kept it of yeah. course i like to pass i i that's one of the main things i've been working on but i just i i, I just want to feel comfortable at any position just that's my main thing you know wherever 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 is happening i want to be comfortable to be exchanging positions there i feel like that's that's my one of my main my main skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you started out so young. Did you feel like because uh, you you've always been big, like you said, you've been ultra heavy since birth. Did you uh, <laughs> find that you were very weak when you were, when you were a kid because you were so tall? This is just kind of I'm not nearly as big as you, but I am. I think I think I'm two inches shorter than you. When I was younger, I was like really gangly and skinny and very weak yeah. so i would people yeah. put pressure on me and i got used to it and that's why I, I like the open division because i've been getting smashed since i was 12 years old did you feel yeah. kind of the same and that also led into your improvement in the guard yeah 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 i felt real weak that's why i always end up on bottom when everybody like someone bashing me that would be a, a feeling that i had and also i lost a lot of weight so at some point i was almost like I don't know if pounds how much the middleweight division is, but that's why I looked. I, I was very skinny at some point. Mm-hmm. I lost a lot of pounds because I started jiu-jitsu and I started to grow, so I was kind of skinny and long. So I had no strength to hold anyone down. <laughs> Pretty much, that's that's why I ended up playing guard. But oh, throughout nice. the years, I 
I start to like see that I had to pass more. So that's when I start to pass were more like outside style, mostly just throwing legs and jumping on people. <laughs> that's how I develop one of the main things that I do today, which is the same thing, throw legs, throw legs around and jump on people. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about another part of your game because like you said, you, you played guard from an early age, but you also are like really, really good at leg attacks. You have an awesome knee bar, really good toe hold. We saw you heel mm -hmm. hook Tim Spriggs at Fight to Win. That was amazing too. And and leg locks were also not super popular probably when you were coming up when you were younger. So when did you like start yeah. to take an interest in the leg attacks and how did they kind of develop as you grew up in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, well, I think it was mainly because of my, my game. Since I have this guard game, I would like end up in a lot of, a lot of like lag entanglement, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like a lot of people, they they want to ignore like leg locks, but they end up in positions that they actually attack leg locks. You know, I'd be like, man, I need to start to add some leg locks to my game because they can define a fight really quickly. And that's good for if you do like absolute because you got to have a big arsenal of submissions. Like... I'm big too, and I and I can like spend like eight fights fighting the full the full time for those eight matches. So I start to think that I need more like weapons for my arsenal. And I had a lot of good sparring partners at like whenever I moved to the U.S. the University of Jiu-Jitsu. Those guys they're not like professional grapplers, but they're like those guys that work in the office. Others would be like Navy Seals. So if I had them in a, in, a, in, in a hard position like to elevate, they would be, give me trouble. So I started to push myself to find these positions. And I think, I think the leg lock, it was actually very natural. Because I, I would find myself in these positions like 50-50, mm -hmm. something like that. And I was just like, I just started to like study them a little bit and try to apply those, those attacks. And that's how I ended up getting it, you know. And I always had this, I always had this submission. I'll, I'll, I'll be always a submission hunter, you know. I always like to attack arms and everything. But the thing is, I just had to apply that to leg lock, you know. If you see my knee bar, it's the same as it's the same way I attack an arm, you know. I, I feel like the knee is the same thing as the arm whenever I attack me. I just try to keep my knees together, you know, and keep the squeeze and use my hip. I used to, I like to apply the same mechanic, you know. And I think it was very natural because of my main game, which is like submission. I just, it's just like, it's just one more submission. I don't really care if I'm getting the leg, if I'm choking you, you know. As long as you tap, I don't care if it's a crank or a choke. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, you don't ask either, do you? You just tap, <laughs> no, tap. Yeah. You get up, yeah. nah, maybe that was a neck crank, I don't care. It's like a Darce choke, yeah, I don't exactly. care how you tap, dude. I know it's a messy yeah, choke. Exactly, yeah. You tapped them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So do you want to talk about uh, when you... Oh, go ahead, Jake. No, no, no. You go, Danny. I was going to ask a question about something we can allude to later, but you go first. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was just wondering when you started getting some of the big wins at some of the major championships in jiu-jitsu, because you talked about getting second for a while and then your first victory, but I think it's another milestone to be on the podium at like a Pan Ams or a Worlds, and you've been doing that pretty consistently since you were a lower belt. So do you remember like what the turning point was when you finally started hitting those podiums at the major tournaments? Yeah, I think I always started back in Brazil because as I started to compete, you know, I really liked it, and... I think the setbacks that I had, like just getting silver, it helped me to like, actually like pursue, like, man, I need a gold. So I started to train hard and go after those wins. And that's when I started to improve more. 
And whenever I got the gold, I didn't want to stop anymore. So I got my blue belt, my juvenile blue belt, and started to travel to other states to compete by myself. I, 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 I wasn't always getting the win, but I would, be, I, would, I, would be, I would be facing some hard opponents. They would be fighting MPGF here. They would probably, they, they, they had more like money. I don't know. They had sponsors so they could compete here. So I would have, a, I would have like a, a chance to test myself against those guys. And the fight would be always like very close. So I was like, man, I need to compete like far. I need to go compete in other states like down south. So that's when I went to the Brazilian Nationals as blue belt, adult. And, and I won. I won the, the, my division. So I feel like that one was the very first one that I went. And I did really good. I think I had like seven matches. I don't still remember. But I just like ran through everyone. Like 40-0 submissions. So it was a really good performance. So after that, I, I, I just got more excited to just like show up there. Because it was a big thing for me. To win this blue belt and see my name on like Grace Magazine and stuff on the first day, they had my name. And I was like, man, that's cool. I want more of that. So I went back for the South American and I went, I won again. So that's when I started to like go to IBJF and people would know me more. You know, like they saw this big kid playing guard. I, I got to go to Pedro Costa. That's when I met, uh, I actually met Mika Galvão for the first time there. He was a green belt, he was so, so small. But I knew those kids would be something else, man. I, I stayed at Cesar Costa. I stayed on, on the mat with them. We had, like, I think, like, 70 people at the mat. They all stayed together for Brazilators. And they were still training hard. And those kids are so small. They're all, I think Melky, his dad, he had, like, 12 kids there. And they would train Jiu-Jitsu the whole day. Whenever they didn't have Jiu-Jitsu to, to train, they would play Jiu-Jitsu. They only play with anything else. They, they didn't have toys. They only play with each other. I was like, man, those kids are going to be killers. I met Thousand Suarez too there. He was really small too, really young back then. I think he actually was about my age, but he's just small. Because <laughs> he might be the same age. But yeah, it was a really cool. Whenever I got to, to know like better the Jiu-Jitsu world, you know, like be there, Sir Costa, met Leandro, I was like, man, I won this. So I just kept trying to go to IBJF tournament. And I would always sign up for the absolute. So I would always be on the podium, you know, winning my division. And that's how, that's how things start happening, you know. That's awesome. So you kind of alluded yeah. to, to the fact that, like, you saw your name in Gracie Mag, and you're like, this is awesome, I want more of this. Like, do you remember the point where you were, like, make, making the decision, I want to do jiu-jitsu as my career? Like, I don't want to do school or some other type of job. Like, <clears throat> this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, and this is how I want to make money. Yeah, I, I actually from blue belt. Whenever I won my first Brazilian Nationals, I had, I had that in mind, you know. But I couldn't really tell them my my parents because they know like that jujitsu. There's no money guarantee, you know. Like I had a lot of tough friends, training partners, and they all they are they're all trying, but they're all like poor still. They were all like struggling a lot with like financial stuff. So my my dad would always be like, man. Jiu-Jitsu is awesome. Jiu-Jitsu really helps you, you know. But you gotta, you gotta look for, you got, you gotta go for school, man. You need to go to the college because there's nothing guaranteed with that, you know. So I just, in my mind, I had, man, I want to do Jiu-Jitsu, I want to do Jiu-Jitsu. But also, I didn't want to let my parents know. So I went to college. I started college, and whenever I came to compete the World Championship, I ended up winning. And I was in the, I think, it was in the third period of my college nutrition so whenever i go back i just told you know i don't want to i don't want to do college anymore because 
I feel like I have a chance to go back to the U.S. and I just want to take this chance. You know, it was a really hard, really hard decision because, as as my dad said, nothing was guaranteed and nothing still guaranteed. So, is 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 really gambling on yourself. You know, yeah. there will be sometimes that you're gonna have to gamble on yourself, and that's what I did. I gambled myself, and it's been good. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret it. Jay, can you uh, can you relate to a lot of that? That story that Victor was telling about choosing jiu-jitsu as a profession. So yeah, uh, when I was when I was in high school, Victor, I wanted to be um, a news anchor. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted I wanted to go to. There's a university here in Arizona called Walter Cronkite University, and it's a huge huge for journalism, right? Like writing in magazines, writing for newspapers, oh, wow. and that sort of love still is the open guard cast now, and that's kind of cool that I get to do both. I get to be an athlete mm-hmm. and still do what I like. Uh, <laughs> that sounds weird. I love jujitsu more than I love journalism, but that's, that's why I chose it. But, um, I made the decision, uh, mm-hmm. to not go to college, but I didn't tell my parents until about the third semester that I m- accidentally didn't sign up. Right. So I told my parents like, Oh, I forgot. I did that twice. And then oh. they're like, Jake, do you want to go to college or not? And I was like, no, I don't. I've been lying. I don't want to go to college at all. <laughs> and they were like, well, why didn't you just tell us that instead of leading us around? Like, whatever you want to do, we'll help you. You know, we'll support you. So that was a really hard decision because, again, like, I, I mean, I, my professor, Andre, has helped me so much. And my parents have been there for me day in, day out. When I, and, and then I had other people at my gym. Like, man, I didn't have a place to live here for a month. Uh, my, my roommate, who was letting me pay less rent so that I could chase the dream, right? He uh, he moved to Egypt, and uh, <laughs> he lives in Egypt right now. Wow. But, uh, yeah, crazy. So I'm living with his friend, and, like, I don't I don't have a house of my own yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's really, like, it's all those people. Like you said as well, there's people who supported you, people who helped you. Like, you have Shanji, who's, like, man, amazing human being as well. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that sometimes you need those people. So yeah, for me, it was kind of scary to be like, all right, well, this jujitsu thing better work out. Otherwise, what am I yeah. going to do? Um, work construction, you know? Oh, yeah. But I definitely relate heavily to, to that. And it's funny you said like, you know, you got to choose between college and jujitsu because I had to do the same thing. As soon as I graduated high school, I was like, all right, I better go it's win funny worlds. funny that was the same time too, third semester. That's why I did too. I, I, you actually told that? That's why I should, actually what I did a little bit. I will wait a lot to renew the thing for like the third <laughs> semester. And my, my mom was like, do you want to go or not? I said, like, yes. And my dad said, do you want to go or not? You should go. And I'm like, okay, yes. I We actually paid for the third semester. And then the next day I went there and I canceled. So we got the money back. Oh, wow. Nice. I got you got the money back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, that's happened, that happened to me too. That's it's just crazy. hard because you don't want to, you know, you know, you know that they are they're, they're saying this thing like they're thinking like on the best for you, but yeah, you also yeah. feel like you can live your dream. So yeah, it's coming you know? from a place of love, but it's hard because it's not what you want to do. Yeah, and I I, I agree with Jake. On this journey, you're gonna meet a lot of people that's gonna help you, and that's like yeah. priceless. You know, I got to meet a lot of people everywhere. I have friends all over the world because of jujitsu, and. Uh, Pretty much all of them like opened doors of their house for me to stay with them. And like, all sometimes you didn't even speak the same language, but you would speak Jiu Jitsu. So that's how I traveled the world a lot. So, like, just teaching Jiu Jitsu, exchanging Jiu Jitsu, training Jiu Jitsu with other people. That's all I have to offer, but still a good, like, 
money off exchange, you know, money off exchange. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. And, you know, that's what we want to do with this podcast, Victor, is we want to be a resource for people to live their dream with jiu-jitsu. And it's hard to, like, build that, and the the exact picture of what that looks like is not always clear. But we want to be a beacon of people like, like, let's say young Victor Hugo needed support from someone. Like, we could see the talent in young Victor Hugo and be like, all right, we want to help that kid. Because that kid wants to come to the U.S. Let's help him come to the U.S. Yeah, eventually. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's what we want to do. Yeah. Because, dude, like, thinking about the opportunities I've had. Like, Danny. Danny's older than me, and he, he wanted to start a podcast with me. And he's helped me so much. I mean, we've commentated some amazing shows. We're going to commentate the biggest shows in jiu-jitsu and in MMA one day. And kind of, mm-hmm. I, I have to take a moment to say, like, hey, Danny. Danny's one of the reasons I'm even successful at all. You know? And I Not think true. that uh, <laughs> athletes, shut up. I think athletes, uh, <laughs> athletes need to have people like these in our lives. You know, the Shanji Hiberos, the, Daniel, the, the Andre Maracabas, the Daniel Donalds, the, uh, the Saulo Hiberos, and everybody like that yeah. who are f- making a huge impact in young athletes that more recognition needs to be mm-hmm. made for those people. And, you know, Danny brought up a point. I actually have yeah. a question for you about, uh, about a different area of what I've seen in improvement in your game. Uh, we did a, a review of your match versus Cyborg at Nogi Worlds when you won in the absolute. Mm-hmm. And we, we watched your knee bar. When you were talking about the knee bar earlier, I was like, oh, man, I got to ask about that. You, uh, even then, you looked lighter than you are now. Uh, you were lighter then in that fight than you are now. How much of an mm-hmm. emphasis have you been putting on strength and conditioning and diet? Because you definitely look the same mobility and the same speed that you were before, but you've put on weight and strength. And that's noticeable, I think, in your matches, especially like when I saw you uh, go against Felipe Andrew on Fight to Win. I was like, man, Victor uh-huh. looks way bigger than Felipe Andrew. And I fought Felipe Andrew, and Felipe Andrew's way bigger than me. So I was like, how, am I, how much bigger is Victor Hugo than me now? <laughs> uh, so I want to I hear about that. I want to hear about your, your strength and conditioning and how that's been going for you. Yeah. The main thing is just like, since I moved to the U.S., I, I started to change a lot my routine, you know. Uh, I don't know if you could call myself that before, but just, I would be straight on martial arts. All, all I did was jiu-jitsu, you know? Whenever I started to move to the U.S., I started to add a little bit of, like, an athlete routine. Because all I did was jiu-jitsu. And some some of my training, older training partners, if you know my team, we just have, we have a, a really strong powerhouse for masters. And, man, if you know masters, you all be strong. <laughs> yeah. Those oh, my gosh. Just, like, old man strength. So <laughs> I would start to hurt myself because, I would, I would fight them just to jiu-jitsu, no strength at all. And all of them, they have those old men strength, and they always tell me, Victor, if you're a strong guy, you're going to be really scary. And I'm like, man, that's kind of humiliating. I thought I had a little bit of strength. <laughs> they would treat me like I had no strength. And we to this day. We to this day, these guys come into their own, like, Victor, if you put some size and some strength, man, you're going to be scared, you know? And I actually like this because if they're keeping saying, Victor, you're so strong right now, I'll probably be lazy and don't want to work out anymore. So I'm just trying to, like, like since I got my black belt, even before brown belt, I was just I just started to, to, to try to be a better athlete, you know? Have a better routine, have a better diet, and, like, really work on my conditioning and my strength. So that's... I've been putting in work on this for, like, three years now, and I've been seeing the results now, you know, because I really feel like the time, sometimes I lost fight, it, it wasn't because I wasn't strong enough, but it was a whole thing of, like, 
conditioning, the right diet, uh, and all that. So I just I've just been trying to have to be a better athlete because since I'm in the major league now, black belt, I I feel like every detail is gonna be important to a win, you no? Know? And if you see the guy who like was the the king of my division for a long time, Bushesha, he's he is a really big athlete. He's a good athlete. He, he dude is huge. And whenever he shows us to the world championship, he has no fat. He's like shred. He looks if if you if you put him with an NFL like clothing, you think he's an NFL player. So yeah. I just feel like I just want to be like that. I just I just want to be like an athlete. You know, like more and more look like an athlete. Because I I see pictures of myself whenever I got to the U.S. Man, I was big but no muscles. You know, like so some of my fans just say that I would look like a dentist. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious! Can you imagine? Can you that's imagine just sitting on the dentist chair and a big, huge, gigantic yeah. who go walks in like, "Hey, I'm here to work on your teeth." He'd be like, "Dude, get out of here! Get a lady in here, me? man! What yeah. the heck? This guy's gonna rip it's my so teeth funny. out with his bare hands! Like, I don't want this that's guy so rip funny. my teeth out. Dang, that's funny." So yeah. I was wondering, um, you talked about like being more professional with your strength and conditioning, and I know you've trained a little bit with Rafael Lovato Jr., and he's like really good with his his consistency with his strength and conditioning and being a professional. Did you take any influence from him? Oh yeah, he's a big inspiration on routine and all that that I just said. And he he has a, a strength and strength and conditioning coach for they've been working together for ten years, and this guy actually tells all the time, Rafael has been. It's like just like the one. You know, whenever you start something, you're really excited for the day one of something. He yeah. said that like, Rafael is still doing the same thing, just like day one. Never, never said that he's tired. Never said that he's like lazy. He just go there, puts the work, and no, no, no complaints. You know. And whenever I got to live in Oklahoma with him for like six months, I have I got to see that. You know, like he goes there, does his little foam roll, and boom, go to work. Whenever whatever has on the on the little notepad, he go he, he goes there and he does it. Sometimes he did he, he he even does extra, you know. So there was a really eye opening for me. I was like, man, I, 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 I if he is like probably I think he, he I believe he's like almost 15 years or more 20 years older than I, and he puts this amount of work. I gotta I gotta work my my ass off. So Sean Josh has a really good work ethic, but Rafael, I never got to live with him. It's kind of different because he's he's American, so he's more systematic. So I got to see that like from from close, and that was a big inspiration, something that really changed me. You know, like I was already starting to do that, and to see him doing that daily, it it helped me. You know, and I I also I I I, I always bring some Brazilian kids to work with me, and that's what I want them to see too. Like color belts, I like to have color belts turning me. And that's the example they want to give to them. I don't want to give them, like, example that I'm being lazy or something, you know? You know, like, sometimes you're tired, we don't want to work out, but I got to see the man doing, like, everything. Like, business, like, conditioning. He goes there, he gets the work done, and no complaints. So, I just wanted more of that on my, on my, on my, on my life. And I felt that really helped me more. That really helped me on my, on my run last year. As black belts, like winning the third post tournament, I think like that was a big piece of it, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Hopper so, Lovato is a, is an absolute monster for sure. 
Danny O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted to say, like, um, so you won a bunch of tournaments, like, at the lower belts, and, like, as you were probably coming up the ranks, you were building this routine and this consistency. So what was it uh-huh. like when you first got your black belt? Did you feel like a lot changed in terms of, like, how you trained, or were you kind of just carrying through the habits that you built through your lower belts? I just carried through the belt, the, 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 the habits. But as I said, like, my last year's brown belt, I really started training as a full black belt already. I was training a lot, and I was working a lot because I, I started to teach more. My English got a little better, so I got to, I got to teach more, more, more teaching opportunities. We had Shanji traveling out of town. Some of the other teachers would be traveling, so it opened up a lot of, like, windows for me to teach. So sometimes I would be teaching five classes a day, and I would have to fit a, a, a session in. And that would really, that would really make my, my, my discipline work. I would have to have discipline to train because I would be teaching kids, I would be teaching like morning classes and to fit in like a, a, a really consistent jiu-jitsu training, conditional training between that, that was hard. So I really could work like my discipline, you know, my self-discipline to keep going with the routine during like these busy times. And it, it, it went good, you know, like, that was the year that I, I think I'm more, 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 most work when it comes to like teaching. And that was the year that I had my biggest accomplishment as polar belt. I got like the, the double grand slam. So it was a year for me like to really see how hard I can work and still like perform. So it was really good. I made really good friends like at that year. Friends of friends that actually got closer to me because they saw how much I was like hustling. And they're like, man, this kid's going to get somewhere. I want to help him. So it was really good, you know, like I just felt like I put a lot of work and I was compensated a lot of things. And that was just like my year leading to my black belt year. So whenever I got my black belt, I just wanted more and more of that. I was like, man, I want to be a good teacher. I want to be like a good a good athlete, you know, and I feel like I've been doing the right thing. I just want to keep doing more and learn more. So I just feel like it's good whenever you are ahead of something and you have more time to learn new things and get even better. So that's how I, how I had my mindset back then. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Jake, I, I had another question, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to, to ask some because I've asked a lot so far. <laughs> no, it's okay, Danny. I actually uh, I prefer that because then I can <laughs> learn as well. Uh one thing I was going to ask, speaking of learning something, is um, I feel like every athlete, not every athlete, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of athletes have struggles when they learn to go from complacency to motivation, right? When they go from being okay and then they're around people who teach them to rise above and be better. Was there any struggles you had when you went from working pretty hard to working as hard as you can for your dreams? Were there any struggles that you had to like – or old habits you had to kill to – to go forward? Yeah, I feel like sleeping routine too. Whenever I was on this on the on on this on this on this part of my life that was teaching a lot, I would have to sleep like six hours a day and I didn't have my bed, I wasn't home. So, mm-hmm. so I spent a lot of time living in the gym for, for some point because I felt it'd be easier. Why? Because I'll leave the gym at ten, I would have to be back there at six thirty. I'm like, man, I don't wanna go home, I just wanna stay here. So just, you know, like lose the comfort, I think would be the biggest thing. A lot of people talk about comfort zone, you know. Uh, I feel like it's everywhere, but that was a really like open eyes for me. Like just don't have a comfort bed. I would sleep maybe sometimes in the mat, sometimes in the couch and be ready to go at 6 a.m. and with a smile on my face. 
uh, I can't let my students like see what I'm feeling. I gotta be the best Victor Hugo like all day. So just push myself to you know like be there and like work hard. I think that's the biggest thing. No have no no having my family around too. You know, mm -hmm. that 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 was kind of hard. But yeah, I you, totally you, get you, that. You, yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing. Sleep. So just to kind of build off that, athletes. Like, yeah, yeah, sleep is definitely a huge thing. I, I just want to build off what you were saying because I feel like there's a lot of more people in jiu-jitsu now who kind of want to take the path that you did and become a full-time professional. It's becoming more, yeah. more of a popular decision. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe like a blue belt or they're early in their jiu-jitsu career and they want to be the next Victor Hugo or the next Bouchesha? They want to be a professional. Man, I think like, think like, as you come in, as you coming up, you gotta really think before you say, "I don't need that," because I remember I was a purple belt. Like my friends would, like I was probably home chilling, and my friends would be leaving for like teaching kids class, and I'll see, I see you guys later. I don't need that. And like, later on, as brown belt, Saula had me going to the kids class just to go learn English and actually learn how to teach a kids class. And at the beginning, I was like, man, I don't want this. He's tripping. I, why do I need to learn that? I just want to do jiu-jitsu and win championship. And then once I started to go, I was like, man, I need this. Why? Because some days I wanna, someday I want to open my school. And I'm going to open my school and how I'm going to teach kids if I never taught kids before. So a lot of athletes, they have this type of mindset, like, oh, I want to open my school one day. I want to be a world champion. But do you actually have, like, experience of talking to people, of, like, serving people? So I feel like once I start to open my mind more to learn this type of things, I start to improve more my English, start to improve more how I teach, start to improve more like how I communicate with people, you know, and all that was really good. So at the beginning, I couldn't understand very well why that was happening, but as I start to like put some time on it, I start to enjoy it and see like the fruit that that would like give to me, like know how to teach a kid, because it's hard. If you, if you never talk to a kid, if you don't know how a kid acts, how are you going to teach, you know? So it was almost like an intern year for me. Once, as Purple Belt, I would have, like, this like this really, like, my schedule would not be full, but as Brown, my schedule started to go really full because I had this kids' class, and it was good, man. I just feel like if you're, like, trying to be a good athlete, be ready to be a good teacher, you know, be ready to be good at committee, committee canning you because you're going to have to talk to your sponsors. You're going to have to talk to Jake and Danny after the match for the <laughs> interview. So you just got to, like, push yourself, you know? And if, you, if you're Brazilian or American, you got to learn English. So that's going to be the best way to learn in this school. So just just push yourself. Don't 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 lock yourself. Oh, I want, just want to win championships and get gold. And I'll be successful for life. No, you won't because it's Jiu-Jitsu. We're not this type of sport. The fact of you being successful in competitions doesn't make you successfully like financially. So I just feel like be open minded to learn and work hard, you know? Listen yeah. to your to your listen to your senses and stuff. That's amazing. That would be the advice. main thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. another thing I wanted to ask you about too that kind of goes along with what you were saying is you started to do I, I'm sure you've done nogi throughout your career, but you started to compete more nogi a little bit more recently. Is that something mm -hmm. you would recommend for younger competitors to do too, is compete both? Because I think some people 
feel like they have to specialize or they just prefer one or the other, but do you think it's important for your career to do both? Yeah, I feel like it's important, you know, because some days, let's say, I'm a, I'm a guy, I have a lot of money, I want to learn Jiu-Jitsu, but I want to learn Jiu-Jitsu Gi, and you want to do no Gi. I feel like you're closing one door, you know? That's why I try to be open. I'm not saying that that's going to happen to you, but I just feel like open-minded, you know? Now, what I've been doing now is like I'm been learning to box, because I feel like I, learned, I need to learn to, how to strike. I'm a big guy, they say I'm really dangerous and stuff, but I can't hit. So I was like, man, I need to start hitting something. So I've been doing boxing for now like two months because I felt I was failing on that. I, I need it, you know. And a lot of people asked me like, oh, are you moving to MMA? I said, no, I just want to learn how to punch someone if I need it. So just, just, just be, just like looking for that progress, you know, and be true to yourself. I think that's, that's the main thing. And that's why I said like, the gi or no gi, Shanji, Lovato, like, Saulo, they always did both. Saulo fought a easy match with the Gi, so <laughs> for me, it's all the same. It's all combat sports, so we gotta be right for everything. We got complete martial arts. That's the main thing, I feel like. That's why I tell my, like, my, all my students, but the guy that I got, I have this guy now, Philippe Costa. Yeah, uh, he came from Brazil. Yeah, yeah. he's been, like, with, with us for six months now, and mm-hmm. he, he did a boom. Since he got here, I saw he, I saw he was something different in Brazil. I met him five years ago, like his blue belt. I was like, man, this kid needs a push. He needs to be surrounded from people that want the same goals as uh, he wants, has the same goals. And boom, he's here. He's been making moves. And you see, he does both. My cousin, he's coming to America soon too. I'm always telling him to do both. And for me, it's the same thing, man. It's even nice if you do. It's even nicer if you do both. Why? Because when you do only one a lot, you sometimes you get tired of it. So if you start to do other, it's a completely different thing, you know? So it's just cool. Yeah. Just quick note. Sorry. Side note on Felipe Costa. I remember I was in, at the Dallas Open and he fought Jansen Gomez in the final of the Open. That was an yeah, awesome was fight. I wish I had yeah. that on video. That was sick. <laughs> yeah. Me too. That was, uh, that was Pujada. Yeah, that was Pujada. That was insane. <laughs> so yeah. I, said, I said one more question, but Jake, if you have, you have any others. Go ahead. No, nah, man. I don't. I don't think I do. I. Uh, I really. Uh, I really enjoyed this. This was. I think it's very important um, to do these kind of things because. I mean, shoot. We've been talking about having Victor on for a long time, and yeah, we, way I mean, too long. We, we, this is our hundred and sixth episode, and yeah. uh, you know, we we've had a little bit of a lull, I think, in activity just because of you know the tournament season's going, and there's a lot. I mean, I'm I'm not even on social media right now. I'm taking a month. I took a month off because I wanted to, uh, just for personal reasons, and mm-hmm. kind of not even being around the community for a bit. This makes me this makes me uh, miss it a lot. I know that people have been really busy, but I really like doing these interviews, dude. And and I have I've only grown more in love with the Open Guard cast as we've done it. But I don't have any further questions for Victor because I know that we're gonna have him back on again, and uh, we're gonna have more questions for him after after. Sounds good. He does. Oh, that's a good question. How about that? What do you got coming up next? Do you have anything on the horizon, super fights, tournaments, anything you're going to do? I have the Grand Prix for IBJJF, the mm-hmm. heavyweight Grand Prix. So far, they have me and Philippe Pena on the bracket. Yep. And we're just waiting for two more names. That will be a huge one. You know, it's just like it's crazy to be part of such a big event as like IBJJF Grand Prix again. I had the pleasure to do one with like two months of black belt. So, just grateful for this opportunity, you know. I'm trying to push myself 
a lot in this preparation and just bring a big show. Winning or not, I just want to leave a good, a good, you know, like a good thing. Like people see the big man flow in action. Yeah, that's awesome. Make it a fun. We're going to be there. I can't wait to watch it live. So thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. We're huge fans of you and your jiu-jitsu. Um, we've been fortunate to commentate one of your matches, so hopefully we get to do that again in the future because it's always tons of action and amazing technique. So do you have any uh, sponsors you want to thank before we wrap it up? Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. First of all, thank you for you guys for, for the invitation, though. Feel good to be an open guard cast. And hopefully I can come back 106. I don't know when I'm coming back, but... <laughs> Whatever just keep it up with the work. <laughs> just keep it up with the, the good work. It was a good talk. I want to thank my sponsor, VHTS, VHTS New York. And uh, if you guys see here, my, my own brand. Uh, if anyone wants to buy it, just hit me up. And thank you, everyone, for watching it. And I'll be back soon. That's awesome. Yeah, Victor has a – not everyone can see it if they're listening on Spotify or iTunes, but a really cool VH shirt that says Big Man Flow in a bunch of different colors. Really cool stuff. Yeah. So definitely, we we'll put the, the link to that in our. In we the want two. We want two <laughs> t-shirts. Okay. 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 Extra okay, large noted. and extra large and medium. Okay. Noted. Yeah. Awesome. That's well, Jake, any, any parting words, or do you want me to wrap it up? Uh, parting words are: you can uh, use my discount code Jake Watson, capital J, capital W, for ten percent off anything at BreakNewGround.com. Uh, I got nothing coming up. I don't think I'm gonna. I'm training for Worlds, and I'm freaking lifting. Every day with Hollywood Mike Richitelli, blue belt. <laughs> that kid is nuts. That kid wakes up like 5 a.m. I'm out here like, dude, 6 a.m. Are you kidding me? But it's good. I'm motivated. So I'm uh, yeah, gonna go good. out to Worlds and shock everybody. Being the medium heavyweight, I believe I'm gonna go out there and and, and do some work. But that's my parting Let's words. It. That's it. Victor Hugo. Me and you, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture with you with my medal and your medal. That's gonna be my my. My thing to you right now is we're going to take a picture sounds, of Worlds. Sounds like a good podcast idea. Yeah. Like a good yeah. Podcast yeah idea. Live yeah. podcast at the Worlds. That's yeah. it. On the podium. Right after Worlds. Right <laughs> after Worlds, you're coming back on. First episode yeah. back. Yep. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Victor. Thanks, Jake. This thanks is episode 106, and we will see you guys soon for the next episode. Take care. Ooh.